All right, Lisa, we got a lot going on. So my social media and the interwebs have been blowing up because the Outspoken Summit has launched. Can you believe that? I know. Yeah. Two years without the in-person summit. Now we're coming back. A tour de force. Thank goodness, because we need it. We need it. Well, and, you know, I, I know we have some other stuff cooking, too. We, we have, like, the on-ramp to the Outspoken Summit, right? We do, and it's something we've been threatening for a while here, folks. So we are going to dive in um, a little bit more after the break and fill you in on the awesomeness that is available to you shortly. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. Whether you're competing in a triathlon or swimming to challenge yourself, Orca has fit-for-purpose swimwear designed to meet your needs. Innovation has always been part of Orca's DNA, and when it came to the development of their new triathlon wetsuits, a wide range of skill levels and different types of triathletes were taken into account. Whether you're looking for maximum flexibility, maximum buoyancy, or somewhere in between, Orca wetsuits are designed to help you achieve better performance in the water. It is performance made simple. For 15% off all items on orca.com, use the code LiveFeisty15. Uh, when it's legal, then it will be accepted. At this particular point, it's not legal for a woman to box. Well, I would just love to see the girls get into sports. Maybe that'll straighten out some of the situation that they have because women think that they can really be do the things that men can do. I don't really think so. 50 years ago, women and girls had few opportunities to participate, let alone excel, in sports. Women's programs were underfunded and worse, some considered it improper and unfeminine to participate. Uh, my personal feelings are that a woman is supposed to be feminine. Uh, I do know if I'm on the subway, when a woman comes on the subway, I'll get up. If there's no other seats, I'll give her my seat. But if the woman is a boxer, I'm not going to get up and I'm not going to hold the door. In 1972, the U.S. government passed a law prohibiting sex-based discrimination in government-funded education programs, including high school and college sports. The, the type of woman who tends to excel in sports um, naturally tends to be a, a, a more highly motivated um, uh, type of individual than, than men because they haven't come up through a pampered athletic system. It hasn't been easy. It has not been easy. In a new series by Feisty Media, we explore the stories behind the law that changed everything. This special series will be presented on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Subscribe now to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. This is nine 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 all right lisa so we have been thinking overthinking rethinking underthinking around thinking and it's finally 
official. Okay. It's finally official. We must tell people about the Inclusive Sports Leadership Academy. Don't we sound official? We sound like super official, right? It does sound very official. (laughs) Yes. And it has the handy dandy acronym of ILA, which I also really like. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Yes. I-S-L-A, ILA. So yes, we have been thinking about this academy for Lisa, I'm afraid to even go back. Maybe, gosh, a year, year and a half at least. It's got to be at least that. Yeah. 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 We've been thinking about it for a long while. And you, myself, and of course, Gabby Nunez, who is really our, what, co-conspirator, I would say, Uh in this, because we have been thinking about how can we disrupt endurance sport in such a way that we fill a huge void that just simply isn't there. And so, you know, now we have this inclusive sports leadership Academy where people who may be athletes, maybe race directors, coaches, trainers, you name it. And any part of the business industry of endurance sport, you need to be there, get your hind pots there in November, get Mm -hmm. there because Mm -hmm. there's nothing like it. Right. Right. Nothing. Nothing like it. Nothing in endurance sports. So the Outspoken Summit is running the 11th to the 13th of November in Tempe, Arizona. We are heading back to our stomping ground and the Isla is going to directly precede the Outspoken Summit. So it will run the evening of the 8th through the late afternoon on the 11th. And what's pretty exciting about this is it's going to be an intensive and immersive experience. So we are Um, looking for a small cohort of folks, probably no bigger than about 15 people so that we can really dive into diversity, equity, representation, and inclusion over that two, um, two and a half days ish, and really help people think through the ways in which they can activate social change in their endurance sport organizations. So this is not a surface Mm -hmm event. This is not a conference where you can float in and out of those sessions. You know, you know, you're like five sessions on the calendar I want to go to. I'll spend 10 minutes in each. It's not that it's a, a full, um, couple of days where we'll be together and we will be diving headfirst into this stuff. And it might be hard. It might be uncomfortable, but hopefully you will come out having learned and grown as a, a person and a professional. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Well, and you know, this is really deep, right? Because Lisa, you and I, we spent, we've spent a number of opportunities, but one in particular that we're thinking about where we did go headfirst into yeah, a lot of yeah. this work where we really had to make some both personal and professional connections in our work. And so it wasn't another professional development opportunity where you just hold the issue 10 feet away from yourself as if it's outside of you, but it's very much connected. Uh, We talk about systems all the time, and this is a system that you are a part of and a system that you can also affect, but who knows how they want to affect this work. And so this is an opportunity for you to figure that out through a lot of deep self-reflection, and then also thinking through the systems that we hope to influence. So this Mm -hmm. is really going to be incredible, and we have a good bit of work to cover um, in that time period. But I think, you know, Isla Fellows, whoever's in that inaugural cohort, you will have some major bragging rights on this because (laughs) there is nothing like it. I mean, it's truly nothing like it. Um, There's no one else doing this work right now. And Lisa, I really love the way that we set up the application only process into this work because it isn't a 
registration, it's an application, right? So yeah, yeah. we're going to kind of go through those applications and see what's the, the mix of folks that should join us, right? Yeah. And that's not unusual in professional development when you're having kind of an intensive training opportunity that isn't a conference and it's more um, targeted that you do have to apply, right? Because part of the commitment is you have to be there for the whole time. You can't um, only come for half of it. And so, you know, we want to make sure that everyone is 110% committed to this. And because it's such a popular opportunity, we've had so much feedback from people about how mm-hmm. important this kind of training would be, this kind of professional development um, for folks in endurance sport that um, we wanted to make mm-hmm. it really meaningful. And, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, how self-reflection is so crucial for diversity, yes. equity, representation, and inclusion work. I mean, I think we have banged that drum a thousand times over on this podcast. And so this is an opportunity where you're going to have the space to do that deep dive, to self-reflect, because that's where transformation happens. I mean, think about the models that we've shared with you around allyship, mm-hmm. around whiteness. Um, they've all, in some way or another, have... Um, self-realization, self-reflection, and that's how things change. And you have to change things within yourself before you can change things at your company, at your race, um, at your club, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to be awesome, but we are, of course, biased. Um, And Shift Sports, which is the partner, founding partner with Feisty um, on the Outspoken Summit, Shift Sports has taken Mm -hmm. the lead in running Isla, and that's myself, Shauna, and Dr. Gabby Nunez, we mentioned earlier. And Shift Sports is a nonprofit dedicated to working around these issues in endurance sport. So um, we are pretty excited to begin with this really cool thing. Yay. Oh, it's going to be fantastic. And, you know, really, when you think about it, Lisa, because this is kind of the perfect storm opportunity for us to talk about both Isla and what's going on in the world as we hopefully off-ramp from a pandemic, because what we know is that when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion work, we had kind of this uh, either awakening or reawakening or um, reinvigoration around uh, inclusion, anti-racism specifically, so forth in 2020. And the goal is not to lose your steam or lose your momentum when it comes to this work. And so now we're beyond that into 2022, and we're thinking about this launch of Isla, the rethinking and reorganization of endurance sport, while also teeter-tottering on, I don't know if it's going to be a big R recession, a little R recession, but we're teeter-tottering in such a way that businesses and organizations are going to be affected. And so, Lisa, you and I have been in this work long enough to know that diversity, equity, representation, inclusion work usually takes the first hit when it comes to cuts or at least um, uh, bringing down the number of people that are involved in the work or how much budget those folks have. So I almost feel like this is a great time to arm these Isla fellows as leaders, knowing that we may be facing down a major recession where DEI still needs to stay at the top of people's priority list, but also knowing there may be a decrease in resources. And so I think this happens to be the perfect storm for this to have the biggest impact, if you will. Yeah, I agree, because I've been listening to a lot of stuff about whether or not the United States in particular is barreling towards a recession. Obviously, inflation is at pretty high rates. I'm sure you're all feeling that. that is 
mostly out of control of the U.S. government. Um, and so I know that the Fed and other economic entities are trying really hard to figure out how can they put the brakes on this downslide or, you know, inter- introduce some things that would prevent um, a recession. But, you know, rising interest rates as a means to combat inflation is also a key piece of recession. And I think uh-huh. what's really useful for us to think about here is we know that women have been disproportionately impacted by the pandemic in terms of their economic security and their economic independence. And um, that obviously has had a ripple effect in their participation in endurance sport and other um, kind of places in society. And so now if we do end up moving into a recession, whether it's a massive one or a little one, is how is that going to continue to hurt women, um, in particular women of color, in particular low-income women, disabled women, trans women, Mm -hmm. I mean, constantly keeping that front of mind. And so those issues don't go away in a recession. They actually get bigger. And so that's That's when I think organizations really need to put their foot on the gas even more, Mm -hmm. even though it can feel like, well, DEI is this coffee mug that I can throw away. It's not my arm, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but I want you to think about DEI as your arm that you're not going to cut off (laughs) when there's a recession, like you might throw away the coffee mug. Yes. Um, Yes. And there's, Mm -hmm. you know, in researching this episode, we came across a number of articles online um, that kind of coalesced around a few tips uh, for folks to think about in terms of recession proofing your business, right? Whether you're Mm -hmm. an enormous business in in the endurance sports space or whether you're a small coaching business, I think they're all really applicable. And Mm -hmm. so we were going to go through some of them um, in case that they are helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, you're right, because I I feel like folks will need some help in this area. There may be some people that are even newer uh, to endurance sport community, and maybe their whole experience in endurance sport has been either pandemic, recession, or both. (laughs) So you've never had a quote unquote normal year when it comes to the work that you've done in endurance sport, or maybe even as an athlete trying to figure this out, a race director that's been doing this for a while, but you've been doing it with kind of a a dark cloud over you. What can we do to kind of help you keep moving forward? Um, A few things that I'm thinking about, Lisa, is that, you know, going back to your point of Yes, definitely embedding DEI into the everyday work. And I think hopefully if you've listened to previous podcasts, you will understand that Lisa and I see DEI in literally everything around us. If you are a race director and you need to buy a thousand cones, well, have you taken the opportunity to look for a vendor that is a woman or a person of color, a BIPOC individual, an LGBT organization? Literally, there is diversity in every aspect of this work. And so how are you continuing to embed it in everything that you do? I think that would be the first piece. So you're right, Lisa, things don't seem like the coffee mug. It's more so the body of your entire work. So I I totally hear you on that. Um, I think too that when it comes to DEI work is that we have to continue to invest in the long-term because much of this work doesn't happen with a snap of the fingers because if it did, we would have already tried that. And so a lot of it is literally investing for the long-term and keeping a steady hand. So some of the things that you may do concerning DEI work may not happen for a year, multiple years, several years. Something that we mentioned, Lisa, um, I believe it was um, when we talked about Rach McBride, 
and how, yes, that first year in that particular race, there was only one individual, Rach, who competed as in the non-binary category, but the next year it was, what, 17? Um, and so given that, your investment today may not show up for another year or longer, but staying the course with it, I think, is really important. Look, it's endurance sports, for goodness sake. We're here for the long haul in everything that we do. So I think that's something that we need to keep in mind as we do the back end business under the hood part of this work as well is that it's it's yeah. longer term. And then, Lisa, I think another thing that we kind of looked at was being very real about your risk tolerance. And I guess this is the the jaded Shauna that's been in this work for way longer <laughs> than oh I probably should have, where, you know, I just, I just think it's ironic, Lisa, when people are surprised that there is a loss of some sort. So, for example, you and I have worked with, you know, colleges and universities, for example, where they may make a very strong statement around Black Lives Matter or LGBT uh, pride or what have you. And when that statement is made, there are almost immediately donors, alumni, et cetera, that say, I'm going to pull my money from this, or I'm not supporting that, et cetera. And I'm not saying I intentionally drive people away. I'm just simply saying that we should not be shocked that people vote with their behavior when they agree or disagree with something. And so being very clear on your risk tolerance around that, uh, those trade-offs of loss and gain when it comes to this work, because they're inevitable. So let's not assume that those losses won't happen, but know that the longer term gain is, is what we're shooting for here when it comes to value. You know, I'd add in there, though, the caution or the caveat, perhaps, is that don't put up that argument around gain and loss, risk and reward as a reason for why you don't do what you need to do as an organization or a club or a race Mm. to diversify your clients, your vendors, your locations, et cetera, right? Like, so there's also that piece, I think, that's important um, because to your prior point around investing in the long term, like hashtag relationships matter, right? Like if you do put in the work, that's a long-term vision, right? And if you half-ass it, then that is going to come back to bite you, particularly in a recession. Absolutely. Because everything is magnified in a recession. So absolutely. Absolutely. Then we talked a little bit about, um, even getting a financial advisor if you're in the business underbelly of endurance sport. And I would contrast that to making sure that you have a DEI advisor who's advising you on this work, who may be consulting with you on this work or who is a professional in this work. Because again, I will keep beating this drum forever, Lisa, around making sure that people understand Yes, DEI work can come from an altruistic place, but it is also a profession and it's a very skilled hand that should be doing this type of work. So just because I care about Lisa's heart health, that doesn't mean that I should perform heart surgery on her because I don't have that skill, even though I care about it, right? Same thing with DEI. You may have folks in your organization that care about this work, but there are specific skill sets to the work. And so that's part of the reason why we're launching Isla, to make sure that you have more skilled people doing this type of work rather than people who simply care, but don't have the specific uh, professional development around these topics. I think that's really key as well. 
Yeah. And, you know, there are many financial advisors that exist in the world who are not white men. So part of your commitment in setting yourself up could be, you know, look at that. I am going to give, I'm going to provide money to an organization, to a business um, that has know a diverse set of financial advisors <laughs> mm, there you go there you go that's it exactly exactly you know I think what's really important too even as we possibly go to through and beyond a recession of some sort is that we continue to stay in contact with your base so the people that uh, that you already have, that you're already supporting, the people that you already have a relationship with, because that additional work, mm, it's going to be interesting. Usually, and Lisa, you and I, I think we've seen this play out over the last couple of years, even in our work together um, as DEI consultants and professionals, is that, yes, there's plenty of folks that come to us as a referral of people that are already in our base, people that already support us or follow our work. And so, you know, making sure that we're continuously keeping relationships uh, and keeping those relationships healthy. I think that's good business sense, but that's also good DEI sense um, because we want to make sure that it's, again, part of the fabric of your business, your organization, your outreach plan, all of that. I think that's really key. So, that that's good business sense, good common sense. I think that's something we all should do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, some other areas I think are going to be important for you to think about um, is, you know, tracking your marketing. If you're not already doing that, then you should start, right? Where are you marketing? Yes. Who's responding? What kind of interactions are you getting? And think about where are you getting the highest yield and then potentially um, spending some more time there you know, we're not in the recession yet, but it's coming, right? So don't sit on your hands, um, you know, and then think about it. Oh gosh, it's here. What am I going to do? Right. You've got to set up this scaffolding right now. And part of that is also going to be creating an action plan. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, what the action plan being, what do you do if you start to lose customers or clients, right? What do you Mm. do if there's another pandemic and you're no longer able to hold races outside and everything goes virtual. So really kind of tracking through a lot of those eventualities. The pandemic, I'm guessing many of you are already like you have a plan for, but think about other things, um, mm-hmm. including, you know, a lack of em- economic freedom, a lack of economic uh, independence mm. for folks being able to purchase tickets to races, whether that's in-state or out-of-state. And then the last thing I would say is that this making development a priority. So one of the things that we see happening is, um, you know, during quote unquote good times, uh, businesses, organizations, you know, take their foot off the gas in terms of working on developing new leads and developing new client bases. And it's exactly at that time that you should be doing that and thinking big and thinking for the future, like Shauna had mentioned earlier around that long-term planning. And I think that making development around DEI and the integration of DEI and the expansion of your customer base, client base, um, race locations, et cetera, to be more diverse is something that you need to do kind of in your quote unquote off season, right? Like, ah, yes, Mm -hmm. that's, that's something I think that is super, super important because it's so easy just to forget about it. And then you hire, 
you know, you maybe you're expanding, but you're just hiring people willy nilly and you're not really thinking about mm. um, mm-hmm. what's the effect of that. Right. Yeah. Um, and yep. what about all those um, communities that are untapped in terms of knowing about your service, your product, your opportunities, like right. always be thinking about that. And that is going to help, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, as we kind of think about this, you know, I think, <laughs> dare I say it, because this is like our little incubated egg that we're ready to hatch, right? When it comes to our work. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, for me, it's like, I feel even as we're going into this, Isla can be part of folks' recession plan when it comes to DEI, when it comes to endurance sport, when it comes to that business owner that's figuring out, okay, let me be preemptive. We should not sit around acting as if um, major catastrophe cannot happen. Absolutely, it can. The last two years have shown us that. So given that, I think having one or more of your people apply to be part of ILA can be part of that recession planning when it comes to your DEI efforts so that you know and you're affirmed that your DEI work doesn't just kind of fall to the wayside. And then once you get to through and beyond the next issue or major global issue, you're still looking around like, gosh, two more years pass and we still haven't gotten anything done. So how can we keep this moving? Because the time is going to pass regardless, (laughs) whether we're in a recession or not, the time is going to pass regardless. And so I feel like Isla can be really part of that structured web of recession proofing your organization um, if you just send them on over to us. So uh, Tempe is waiting on us, right, Lisa? Yeah. You know, what you're making me think of is so many organizations are just awful at providing professional development for their employees. Yes, and, yes, yes. You know, yes, I, ju- yes. I just don't see a lot of that in endurance sport. You know, the folks mm-hmm. who are um, producing and marketing products for endurance sport or race companies or um, clubs mm-hmm. that have boards, you know, or, you know, various iterations of what that might look like. It's just like professional development's kind of an afterthought. And, Thanks. you know, I don't remember who said this. It might have been Richard Branson, or I could be like blending that with someone else, but it was something to the effect of your employees are your primary customers, right? So uh, if you yes. take the time to provide them with the skills and the knowledge and the experience, then your company coaching race, whatever is going to be better, right? Like that's an important investment. And then the other piece is a lot of folks say, well, what if they leave? What if I invest this money in Isla, send a couple of employees there, and then they take that knowledge and they leave. And I guess, um, I think it might have been Branson again, or again, someone like that was like, well, but what if you don't give them the professional development and they stay right? And then your organization becomes stagnant and it doesn't have new ideas. It doesn't reach out to new um, clients and customers. You know, you're not able to expand because you're just doing same old, same old, right? Which Uh just reinforces those limited and exclusive systems. So I do think that that's a really important thing for endurance sport to think about both in the context of DEI and also in the context of recession proofing. Like don't Mm -hmm. skimp on ensuring that your employees are continuing to learn and grow because that will move your business forward. Absolutely. And, you know, that goes back to what we've talked about many, many times around that growth mindset, you know, the, the 
opposite of that is saying, well, what if they leave with the information I paid for? Well, what if they stay and tear up your business because they don't know anything about DEI? You continue to repel uh, more diverse staff or more diverse athletes. And so they're doing more harm. And whose fault is that? Yours, because you had the opportunity to send them to Isla and you didn't do it. Right. Um, But, but somebody has to be responsible. Right. And so I think it's, it's the responsibility of what we do wrong, but also the responsibility of what we don't do right at the very same time. And so we hope, and we feel that the, the quality behind Isla is really key. Um, But even just more broadly, are you sending your folks to stuff that is specifically focused on professional development or are you assuming folks are going to do this work well? Yeah, that's a huge assumption, yeah, huge leaping yeah. assumption. And I wouldn't put my my um, business or my organization's um, prosperity or uh, success in the hands of an assumption. I just wouldn't do it. I'm sorry. Right. Would not right. do it. So. Whew. Okay. I think we, I think we pushed Isla pretty hard today. <laughs> I know, I know people are going to get tired of hearing about it, but I, I think the, uh, the 15 will fill quickly <laughs> just because I think people know how much of a gap it is. We don't even have to explain how much of a gap it is. It's there and it's, it's yeah. pretty clear. Yeah. Um, so my, we, we should say our hell naw is if you don't send your people to Isla, but I have another hell naw as usual from my home state of Virginia, that is going to, uh, Oh, not surprise many of us. Hell yeah. Hell no. So usually I am not a fan of Governor Yunkin. Let me just be clear on that. Um, But this is one case where even he knew uh, that a statement was problematic. So, all right. So we have a commissioner, the health commissioner of the Virginia Department of Health. Look. This gentleman clearly has been completely detached from anything in regards to public health scholarship, knowledge, or information, because if you have the audacity to fix your lips to say that race has nothing to do with health disparities, you have been living under a rock, okay? I am here to tell you. And this man who is the head of this work has tried to say that racism is, should not even be a consideration in the policies, the procedures of this work. And I'm thinking oh, to myself, sigh. right, exactly, exactly. So I'm like, wait a minute, are you kidding me? And so, and it was once again, a perfectly logical explanation. That's what a lot of people use when they want to uh, just step over race, racism and racist policy. They just give you a perfectly logical explanation. And so He says, well, if you bring up racism, then you're blaming white people. Enter white fragility here. Um, And then he goes on to say, enough of the world thinks that that's what you're saying. And then you lose a big piece of your audience. What? I'm not talking about audiences. I'm talking about losing lives. What does that have to do with anything? Exactly. Exactly. And then, of course, he says, let's bring education into this. Poor teachers. He says, quote, the fact that there are people teaching about whiteness in schools is a very negative way and it doesn't help. What the hell are you talking about, man? What are you talking about? So, you know, I I think what's interesting is that, Lisa, we have a 
really profound client that is out in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. And I've been doing some research on this. And I know that um, Wisconsin was one of the first states that declared racism as a public health challenge. And then New York uh, followed with that. Virginia going the ass opposite direction of all that just is mind blowing at this point. So for me, once again, I feel that I can legitimately say about my home state that this is raggedy as hell. I cannot believe this. Um, But yet I can believe it at the very same time that my home state wants to deny racism's effect on public health, even as black and brown and LGBT people historically are dying at rates due to the pandemic and for other reasons. The data just does not bear out to support Mr. Green. I'm sorry, it doesn't. The data we are data nerds. We love data. Even if you are anti, even if you're pro-racism, the data reports anti-racist perspectives. Shame on you, Virginia. Once again, I'm I'm tired. I'm just tired, Lisa. I need a drink. I'm tired. I'm tired. <laughs> well, when you said um I think you just said like you were surprised or something. I'm like, really? Are you not, really not anymore? I mean, it's I'm trying not to desensitize myself, right, Lisa? I'm yeah. trying to get to a place where I want to say I'm not surprised it's coming from Virginia, but yet I still need to be surprised because this is contrary to our values on this podcast. No. Yeah. No. Well, no. And he, and his comment that you, I don't know if you paraphrased it, but like then to talk about racism in the context of public health and healthcare is to blame white people. I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> because, you know, not, not an individual white person, but white people as a group that built these systems of public health and healthcare and all the laws and policies around that, that um, have oh. detrimentally impacted um Communities mm-hmm. of color for generations. So, mm-hmm. yep, yep, right on there. That's exactly correct. Yes. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, that's where Le- I go with it. <laughs> Le- Lisa, Lisa, I'm envisioning you with your hand on your hip, like, yeah, and now what? Of course, exactly. Like, I know. I should probably not uh, get in a room with this guy. Um, although I imagine there probably are Virginians who feel similarly to us and have pushed back, right? So, including that's right. That's right. Youngkin, who doesn't agree with us right. so that's weird. But, exactly yeah. there you go mm-hmm. all right so to finish up on something on a happier note then we just learned of um the music artist lizzo um released a song um in the last uh, week that um used a term um spaz and was mm-hmm. um given feedback Um, by social media and otherwise, that that is an inappropriate and offensive term. And some background on that for folks who don't know, it's not a term that's really used a whole lot here in the US, at least not in a derogatory context, but certainly growing up in the Mm. UK, the term spaz or spastic is a very, very negative and hateful word that has been used against people with disabilities, um, Mm. used um, just, you know, in really, really heinous ways. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not just the UK. It sounds like it's also Australia that that's similar to. And so she was let know that that's a problem. And what mm-hmm. we love, love, love about her response, because it's a good role model for all of us to learn mm-hmm. from is that she didn't make one ounce of excuse 
about why that happened. And we guess that she just didn't know, right? Because she's been born in the mm-hmm. United States. It's not a, it's not a word that's used here in a derogatory way. It doesn't have that same history. And, um, but rather than come out and say, well, I didn't know, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hurt anyone. What she did was she just re wrote the song and changed the line like and then Mm -hmm. that changed on all of the airwaves wherever it had been released to and then she posted on twitter it's been brought to my attention that there is a harmful world in my new song girls let me make one thing clear i never want to promote derogatory language as a fat black woman in america i have had many hurtful words used against me so i over I overstand, I understand or overstand actually. Yeah, that's purposeful. Mm-hmm. The power, power words can have, whether intentionally or in my case, unintentionally. I'm proud to say there's a new version of girls with a lyric change. This is the result of me listening and taking action. As an influential artist, I'm dedicated to being part of the change I've been waiting to see in the world. So she just changed it. She didn't put up a defensive fight and she changed it quickly. Right. And so that's something that was really important that we really loved. And so something for us to think about, right. If you are called Mm -hmm. out or called in about language that you're using in your place of employment, at your race, in your club, Mm -hmm. in your coaching, don't um, protest and try to offer a bazillion excuses, just fix it say, Mm -hmm. okay, now I know. And I won't do that again. Right. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it probably feels shitty and I'm sure Lisa didn't feel good about it but she didn't mm-hmm. sit in that she just changed right. it right and that's exactly what's important. that's what's really important I think exactly that's it and and making the change that quickly when the song just dropped I I just feel like it's a great opportunity to put uh on stage, <laughs> pun intended on stage um an artist that is willing to say look, it's just as simple as me changing the lyric in order to be an ally rather than using ableist language. So I thought it was great. Um, I think we can take so much from it. And, you know, Lizzo has what, over 12 million followers. This is a big deal. It's not like just, you know, some people that are not well known using this language, even though I don't feel anybody should use the language. But this is someone who can make change simply by being very transparent about this correction. And so I feel strongly that, you know, 12 million people watching what Lizzo is doing, obviously that's really important. It's important important for us in the U.S. who may not have known that this was ableist language or had this history. Now we know and now hands off. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. no need to even visit that language because now we all have been educated around this particular yep. topic. Yep. So I'm grateful for it. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, it makes me think of that song that came out by the group whose name is blanking me. I realize what I have shared so far is very vague, but it was Let's Get Retarded in Here. Was oh, the original song. yeah, yeah, yeah. Was it the Black mm-hmm. Eyed Peas? I can't remember. And then they changed, well, at least the song that was on the radio was Let's Get things started in here started. I think is what they that's changed right. to right mm-hmm. and that's you know right. I definitely I definitely heard some people talking about how retarded is a term that is used to mm-hmm. identify like 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 things are slowing down um it's not right. moving as quickly but that might be like the textbook definition of it right but the way mm-hmm. that that word is utilized in our common cultural vernacular is in a it's derogatory right it's not right. meant as That's a right. descriptor it's meant as something pretty hateful so they also mm-hmm. changed it i'm just not sure how they responded to it at the time because i think this was a pretty long time ago but that would be something to check out mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. I guess we'll leave you all with a reminder to register for the Outspoken Summit. You can do that on OutspokenSummit.com. And then you can apply for Isla at ShiftSports.org, so .org. And we will be accepting applications through the end of July. And if you have any questions, don't hesitate to reach out to us at info at unfazedpodcast.com. And you can also get me at Lisa at ShiftSports.org and Shauna at what email address would you want Isla questions to come to? Oh, yes. Uh, send them to Shauna at Gold Enterprises LLC.com. Send them our way. Raise your hand if you believe we need more women at our triathlons. The team at Lifetime is right there with you. Their main focus the iconic Verizon New York City Triathlon coming up on July 24th. And Lisa, I did this race in 2016. And I have to say, it was like being shot out of a cannon with a thousand of your closest friends at the start of the swim. But I hear, unlike 2016, this year, they added a duathlon distance and implemented a rookie refund program, all to get more racers like you of every age, skill level, and background to race the greatest city in the world. So let's ride a better future for endurance sports together. Visit nyctry.com today and reserve your spot. That's nyctri.com today. Whether you run, ride, hike, or swim, you understand what it means to push harder, reach farther, and go the extra mile. This relentless drive runs in your blood. That's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build endurance, boost energy, and optimize your health for the long haul. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro tips after you complete your workout. It's like having your own personal trainer and nutritionist in your pocket. For a limited time, you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash feisty and use the code feisty for 20% off. That's insidetracker.com forward slash feisty. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Summit. Edited and produced by the fabulous Millie Perry. Email us at info at unfazedpodcast.com and find us on social media at Try to Defy, at Dr. Gold Speaks, or at Outspoken Women and Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time.